this week's episode of What Are The Odds is brought to you by Baz's Tweet. Geez, football is no good and we need to change the rules. The game's ruined. Nah, just let the game evolve and let it be FFS. And in those famous words of Brian Randall, we're actually going to launch our own event. The event is called Footy's F and we want you to fix it. Think about it as Shark Tank, but for footy ideas. Come Sunday the 29th of July, we want you to come down to the Yorkshire Hotel and pitch your best ideas on how to fix footy. Not that it needs fixing, but if we're going to fix it, it may as well come from the people who actually watch it. It's five bucks to come down, but if you do present an idea, the first jug of beer is on the house. So there's plenty of incentive to have a dip. And really, your ideas can't be any worse than any of them. They're currently kicking around in AFL media land. So that is July 29th on a Sunday, just before the footy, 1pm onwards down at the Yorkshire Hotel because footy's effed and apparently we need to fix it. All right, Baz, welcome to the pod, mate. How are we feeling? Just leave the game alone. Christ's sake, leave the game alone. It's fine. Like, yeah, and you don't want stuff like that. I was watching under 18s game today, the South Australia Victorian Vic Metro game. Great game. Vic Metro coming back after being they would have been uh, forty odd points down at half time. Kicked the first four or five goals of the, of the third quarter. Good game, and then you know they started. South Australia got control back a bit, and then there was a free kick for because they weren't oh, following man. the congestion rule. Or, the digestion yeah, the rule yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. South Australia get a, a, a shot, three metres out directly in front. That's the penalty. Kicks a goal. South Australia all of a sudden get all that momentum back and they end up losing by 55 points. Look, a goal is a massive penalty. Even like we're seeing at the moment with these um, encroaching the mark or, you know, the, the that silly 10 metre rule. If they're not going to affect the player who's got the kick and they're running past... 50 metres is a massive penalty. Mm. Anyway, that's probably going a bit off topic, but yeah, just leave the game alone and just let it evolve. Brian Taylor actually said something pretty smart on Talking Footy on Monday night, which is is saying a lot. Yes, it is. You've got to remember, our game really only turned professional, fully professional, probably, you know, what, the 80s when it became the AFL? Like, obviously, the VFL. I reckon, is yeah. the line I put through it. So our game's still evolving. There's still, you know, lots of different tactics, lots of different things coming into our game where, because it's, it's a young game. You look at soccer and and baseball, other sports, you know, of that ilk that have been around for forever, cricket even. Well, tactics have been around and been involved because the game's been professional for a lot longer. Hmm. So everything's been figured out pretty much. So that's why it is what it is. Is our game still, so just leave it alone. It'll be right. You get good games of footy like you do on the weekend and you get crap games of footy as well. And that happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 100 years ago. Just get over it. And yeah, that's that's what I was getting at with my tweet. And I think Buckley was on board as well, which was good. So just leave the game alone, please. Talking of leaving it alone, that was probably the uh, theme from last week's results. We probably should have left a lot more games alone based on our... We had a stinker. We had a bit of a stinker. We had one from five. Well, it's a, probably the first time in six or seven weeks you haven't at least broken even. Exactly. So it's not going to affect the long term. It just affects our short-term egos. Yeah. But uh, let's, let's try and decompress and talk about the bad beats. All right. So first off, Frio in Brisbane. Let's not talk about Frio because Frio... They're wishy-washy, they're flip-floppy, and they're a team that we should no longer back. Well, Let's talk about Brisbane. 
I did actually say Brisbane to win last week in the pod. Mm. So I tipped Brisbane last week, said it on the pod. I just didn't have enough confidence to go with it from a yeah. punting point of view. But look, that, they score, and I think that's what I said last week as well. Fremantle are on a scoring side, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more about it because they actually play Carlton this week at home. They, they attack the game, they play fluent attacking style of football, and they look to score, and they look to at least stay in games. Like, they've only been blown out probably once or twice. They average around 80 points a game, mm-hmm. which is you know up around the you know what the most AFL teams average as well. So they've had a couple of t- t- games as well where they've only scored like you know they scored that like 17 points against Richmond, and, and there was another game there where they only scored very low points as well, which you know would obviously affect their margin. But they're generally involved in shootouts, and it's good footy, and it always means that they're in the game at least, or they're, they're given a given a chance, but their first quarters, which has cost them this year, that they think they won their first one. On the weekend, On yeah. the weekend, and uh, yeah, I think you, you know what you're going to get from Brisbane, so with Freo, you just don't know what you're going to get week to week, and now they've lost Fife and Yeah, no Fife, no Sandy, there's not much going on there down at Dockerland. But they've got some, like, I've spoken about Brisbane before, like, that Berry kid is pretty handy, you know, big, tall mid. You know, even Lewis Taylor's starting to play some good footy. Obviously, Cam Rayner. I think the going forward, they'll probably. I, I think I said at the start of the year they'll win more home games. They've, you know, they've obviously only won two games. I reckon they'll win this week. And like even on the way home, like they probably. I think they played Gold Coast again. They probably they smashed Hawthorne last time. They play them again. Um, and North Melbourne at the end of the year when they've probably got not much to play for, they might knock them off as well. So. Yeah. So we look at their run in. At the start of the season, we did our over-under predictions for win-loss. We had Brisbane at six, and we said to take the over. So they've won two games now. Yeah. They've got eight games in hand. They need to win four to break that six. So they've got Carlton at home this week. We'll say they'll win, but we'll, we'll probably talk about obviously more about that in our previews. Hawthorne in Melbourne. Like you said, they touched up Hawthorne, so that's, that's a definite could win. Adelaide at home, and depending on... What happens to Adelaide this week? It could yep. be season absolutely over for them. And then Geelong, probably a tough ass down at Skilled. But then, yeah, North at home, Collingwood away, Gold Coast away, and then West Coast at home. And West Coast, again, could be one that's really plattered off by it comes around 23, depending on how quickly uh, Jack Josh and the Frenchman come back into that side. Yep. So you could see them winning probably half those games. Well, we'll talk about Carl a bit more later with that game. But Hawthorne, they'll... Be in because, unless Hawthorne some some way stifle it because they're speed and outside run, which is what happened to them last time I played. Adelaide, we don't know what they'll be at. Um, Geelong, they won't have a chance. North Melbourne be the same. They have that outside speed and run. They could at, at home. Uh, we saw Collingwood last time. It was a massive shootout, and they worry us a bit with again that speed. And it's it's when they get to their front half, so they get it to you know their forward fifty. They they can either really butcher it and turn it over and make some shocking decisions and poor execution of skill. Or if they have it on and going, like they did against Collingwood, like they did against Hawthorne, like they did against Fremantle on the weekend, they'll kick goals and they'll score big, and that's when, you know... It mm, and a 50 points. Yeah. And the wins they have have been huge. Yeah. The two wins they've had have been absolutely massive. So if they do get a bit of a sniff, they, they I think they just lose that nervousness, and they're not they're not afraid to lose, because they, they obviously lost so many times this year. It doesn't matter. They, they go like, no, no, let's try and win this, and it doesn't matter. Like, no, what's beat, the worst that happens? definitely beat Gold Coast, because they won't win a game for the rest of the year. Yeah, they could, so... It wouldn't be bad for Brisbane to finish third bottom because they get pick number three. They'll probably get him rank on, which is the best talent in the draft, I reckon. There you go. So he's an absolute gun, that kid. And I know people have been talking about King, but I watched Rankine. I've talked about him again a fair bit on his pod going back even last year. 
and I watched him today, and he kicked five goals and a half and was just electric. So he's a pretty good player. There you go. Finished third, Brisbane. It's up to you now. Second massive game was, of course, the Bullies versus the Cats. Where did that come from for the Bullies? Or was it just a case that, for once, the Bullies kicked straight and the Cats didn't? Well, kick straight. They've been up for two or three weeks. So if you go through their year, they've generally had two or three good weeks. And then they just Then they fall off for, two, for a few weeks. So I'm going back to that theory where, you know, Bevo gets them up for a couple of weeks, they play that intensity, play that game style, and then they drop away because they just don't have the... They've got young list, they, they drop off because they're, they're tired or whatever. And they've got lots of injuries as well, but obviously having Adams back helps. Shaki's starting to put together and show why he's a good footballer. Billy Gowers, Carlton would be spewing they didn't keep him. Uh, and yeah, like a few players starting to play some good footy as well for him, which is good. And, you know, Tom Boyd was pretty good on the weekend as well. So Yeah, and it's going all right in that rock position. I think Geelong, so they're, they're the best defensive team or second best defence team in, in the comp but so some stats I saw again we'll go through this because we're at the preview for Sydney Geelong they're 12th in the league for uh, midfield pressure 12th in the league for forward pressure which is you know pretty average for a top 8 team mm. uh, so that's obviously something they need to work on especially when they're playing Sydney the other thing is I think they get more... When they play teams, they believe they're weaker than them. They get into a more of a shootout. So we've seen it a few times this year. They've had uh, over 100 points kicked against them a couple of times. And it's against the teams a bit below them, not, or what you probably perceive as Geelong should win that game. And they've lost. Mm. Well, and they got away with one against Melbourne. that was only 90 points, but in round one. But generally, they, they lock it down. It's a very defensive-style game plan. They keep control of the footy. It's slow movement. All that stuff, but against some reason, against a couple of teams this year, it's been opened right up. It's become a shootout, and they've lost. Is that a? Do you reckon that's a player-driven thing, or is that Chris Scott trying to be like, let's try and score more against the teams that we think we should be able to beat to try and flex that muscle a little bit? Because they're relying heavily on being a very tardy defense. But yeah. if you keep a game to being 60, 70, 70, 80, you're still still in it. If you can learn to kick a hundred points. Then you get yourself those 20, 30 point victories. So, is that is that a tactic that they just can't execute because they don't have the players? Yeah, I think, and look, I saw some vision on uh, Monday night when I was watching all the footy shows, and Doggies just worked harder both ways. And you saw, like, when they turned it over, the Doggies would run pretty hard to go forward, and the defensive side of Geelong was non existent. And yeah, I don't, I don't think the. That's everyone's talking up about how Scott Selwood's so important for him because he offers that he's a one midfielder around a stoppage that actually defensive, defensive intent, yeah, yeah. As all the others are, are going forward and trying to win their own footy and, and you know not having a care for their, their their opposite player. So interesting to see that tomorrow night. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night. We'll talk about it again soon. But yeah, uh, Geelong for me it will struggle to make the eight. I did my um, I think it's probably talk about this probably next week or the week after. But I did my ladder predictor. I had him. Outside the eight, so... There you go. We have a lot of teams outside the eight. I think the eight for Baz is about six teams usually, but that's all right. No, I've got a few wrongs this year. Like, if I haven't, you know, I'm, I know, I'm happy I know. to admit it, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. and we'll probably get to one a bit later in JWS as well. Yeah, I think Geelong, they would want to make... We've played this before, they'd want to make it and win it with the list they've got because, like Hawthorne, it's very ageing. Third game of the week, which really did completely ruin us from a betting perspective... Unless, of course, shout-outs to the betting companies that give you the 24 autom- automatic cash-out because that is that really saves you from breaking telly screens or making you dick yep. yourself at a par. Because when you saw... What, when West Coast does what West Coast did on the weekend, 
technology gets ruined. Yeah. Apple Apple makes sales off games like that because that's when laptops, iPads, TV screens are smashed in because that's ridiculous. How that happens, I don't I don't even know how it's fathomable to lead by 20 points at three-quarter time, be a top-four team in the comp, and then just let it all slip away. It is ridiculous. That, yeah, it was, it was a weird game. I watched the half-time, then I went um, went to footy club for a bit and checked my phone and saw the score. I went, you beauty, I've got, got, yeah. got some money for us and I've got a tip right because... To be honest, I had a shocker first three games, and then I turned back to my phone a few minutes later and saw that the scores were level, and then I saw that um, my mate Tex Walker actually stood up for a change and did what captains should do, and uh, took the game by the scruff of the neck. Well done to him for finally doing it. He's going to have to do it again this week, if the Crows have any chance to beat Richmond, but it's nothing against him. I mean, it's probably the media that talks him up as much as what they do. But I just don't think he's like he's a, obviously a good bloke or whatever. But I don't know him. But I just, as a player, as a football player, I just don't think he is as good as what people talk him up to be. But he did what he, he did. He did what he needed to do. On, he earned his check on the weekend. Yeah, he did. He did as captain. Did that and a few other lesser types stepped up like Dodie and, and that. So it was good for them. But West Coast, gee, um, I don't see him winning this Sunday either. So. They need they need to get some of their players that are injured back or else they're in some big trouble and I don't know what our old mate Ryan was doing at early hours of uh, was it Sunday night or mm. Saturday night in the, in a car but crashing into a tree. But, Not exactly uh, what you need when your team's in, in crisis. No, nah, and I think he from from watching him as well he looks he looks almost since he got injured and since he's been back. He's almost scared to get injured again. I think mm. he's, he's not going a hundred percent at the footy, so he needs to. Because he's vital for them and Willie Rioli. Like they're, they're, they're now going forward, are vital. And he just needs to make sure he gets over that fear of getting injured like he did early in the year because he can be... He's a very, very good player and you know, X-factor. But at the moment, he's a bit off. And on that, do you think Adelaide now can make a funnels push? They're one of four teams on eight wins. No. So... They're not. They're not in your eight again. We'll, we'll save the uh, spoiler alerts for next week, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, you don't see them scraping into those one of those last two spots there. No, nah, because they're about to get flogged this week. And they still got too many injuries. If I was them, I'd be seriously just shutting up shop for the rest of the year. Trying to finish third last. They've, and, already, uh... got, they've already got two first round picks. The South Australian under team is littered full of absolute guns. I'll probably get rid of Sloan and uh, one other McGovern. I thought you say get rid of with such derision, like Sloane's some kind of B-grade player. Well, that's no. another A-grade jet leaving the Crows. That's that's a cultural problem, but probably yeah. one for a greater discussion yeah, but, as well. But if if they can get uh, I'll get conversation with him, and it would be good money, so they'll probably get end of first round, maybe start set whatever it's second round. They'll get they'll get a first round from McGovern. They've all of a sudden got three first round picks. If they can trade those off to another club and move up the order and get someone in the top five, that's pretty good. This is the club that was in a grand final last year, and now they're essentially getting rid of their two best players and going into a rebuild. That's a ridiculous thing for a club to do. Well, it's it's where they're at, unfortunately. It's that's absolutely ridiculous. Are they are they are throwing the baby out with the bathwater, as the cliche goes. You said, and I quote you from last week's pod: "One of us will head wobble after our predictions from the Richmond Sydney game." Yep. You were very much about Sydney being the better team at this stage of the year. I think you had your hate glasses on. This is twice this year that hate glasses have blinded your vision. Yeah. Once with our Eston, once with uh, Richmond. We got pretty much everything else about the game right. So until we, the last quarter. Until the last quarter, it blew out, but we were pretty much spot on with 157 being the overrunner. We, we expected a dogged fight. We got that. But 
We don't like predicting premiers early. Oh, Richmond have got but it. But is it time to crown them? Richmond have got it in the bag. Only, only Richmond will stop themselves from winning the flag this year. Hmm. They're Very the best team like in that. it. They're travelling well. They got no injuries, so obviously injuries will play a part. Um, like you know, Colin would have been you know stitched up again, and so are a few other teams with injuries this year. Adelaide as well, and you know, GWS. But you know, you keep somehow keep all your players on the field and have no injury problems and can have. Well, jokes that being said, we had Reese Conkins. Like, oh, and he's a his, massive loss, his... isn't he? You kidding? You don't have a rants or a no, no, no. I'm just saying, we, we, get, we, get, or a we get injuries. We get Trelaw and probably our most influential backman go down. GWS get Toby Green and Scully and Kelly missing for most of the year. You guys, all your A graders, you know, they, they're fine. They just get through the year somehow. Can Wilder and Osada go down there and see if you're on the Essendon sort of doping? <laughs> no, because we're winning, mate. When they're on the doping stuff, oh, they're they still winning. lost. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, no, just. Give Richmond the flag now because seriously, the only thing that's going to stop them is their own heads. Yeah, and their run home is pretty crazy as well, especially when you, you consider that no one's going to beat them, so any run home would be crazy. But they've got Adelaide at home. GWS away might be tricky ish, but without Cameron, not really. St Kilda, Collingwood at home, considering Dimmer said that Collingwood was the second best team in the comp. Uh, that's probably their biggest clash. Geelong, who are probably too slow now for them. Gold Coast, who are crazy. Essen, who don't defend. And the Doggies in round 23 when they have nothing to play for. They're winning most of those games and finishing on top, which means two finals at the MCG and a third one, obviously, because it's always the G. So. Well, the difference is between you guys as well and some of the other teams. Every team in the top eight at the moment has had a rough few weeks. So like at some point in the year, they've had a two or three or maybe even four-week flat spot. You guys lost the West Coast. You had a Bounce four- back. Yeah. yeah, but no, you played St Kilda and North and weren't great, but you still one, won. yeah. As you got teams like Melbourne and you know, Collingwood Star of the Year and you know, Essendon and stuff like that, who and Adelaide and GWS who have just had three or four games that have just dropped. They get a few players back and all of a sudden, like you know, GWS looked really good. All of a sudden, you know, Collingwood's been playing some good football. Essendon's now got their speed back. Uh, so yeah, other clubs, you know, are starting to. And you get other teams like West Coast now have had three or four weeks drop off. So every club has it throughout the year, and it's just up to the media and. A few of us not to uh, yeah. go too early with the call, like I did a few weeks ago about GWS not making the final. So now they're sitting six. There you go. There you go. Here's our round 16 preview, and it starts Thursday night. Sydney are a dollar 45 favourites, even after losing to Richmond. Hosting Geelong here at two dollars seventy eight outsiders at the SCG. The line here is fourteen and a half, and this is yet another eight point game. What is an eight shaper? All of those cliches. This is a very very important game. Well, yeah, exactly because Geelong can't really afford to lose too many more games because all of a sudden they're a game behind now the top four, the top five, and GWS probably win a few other teams win. They they finish this round outside the eight, so. It'll be a dogfight. I reckon it'll be really defensive. Two best defences in the comp. But I think, for me, this game is all Sydney's. Like, they surely, at home, on that on that stamp, they've got the pressure, they've got the kicking skills. Their midfield is better. They win more centre-bounce. When Geelong's. you say their midfield's better, so a lot of criticisms come down to the Sydney midfielders this year that they've all dropped off. They have. So that Josh Candy's had a, a down year on what he, he usually just churns out massive years and it's just become the norm. And now this year's had kind of like just an AFL average year and everyone's on his back. Dan Hanabry is the one that's apparently in absolute free fall. Do you agree with that or do you reckon he's getting a bad rap? 
in the media. I think they're getting a bad rap because they've also got blokes stepping up as well. So Haywood stepped up, Florence stepped up, a few other blokes have stepped up in in you know these guys' shadows. So they're getting more footy, they get more time in the midfield, and, and probably got other roles. And they would also be, <coughs> sorry, people also forget that Hanbury Kennedy. Parker and Jack all started pre-season like January. Mm. So they're still ticking over and their body's probably still not quite right. Like, So Hannibal's obviously bit pretty bashed and I wouldn't be surprised. I think last year he copped it for a few weeks in a row and he came out and had a couple of blinders and people shut up all of a sudden. So I wouldn't be surprised he popped up tomorrow night and had a good game. But for me, I just think Buddy up forward, the Geelong midfield isn't really... Doing anything defensively, you know, Ablett can get his 30 touches, but he's not really hurting you with those 30 touches. He's not been the link man that he was a few weeks ago when he got those touches. Joel Selwood hasn't been, you know, great, and he'll probably get a tag. And record shows that when he does get a hard tag, he's not that great as well. Danger's probably going to play more forward with Harry Taylor going back. So, yeah, I just... I don't think Geelong have got it in them to beat Sydney, and it'll be a, it'll be a low-scoring game which will probably keep drawing in the game for a bit longer, but I think Sydney won the 39, unders in the game as well. And uh, I'd be watching uh, Franklin, hopefully. Hopefully, Longmire's a saving this for finals, but just push Franklin up the ground a bit. Uh, obviously, Gary Rowan's out injured, but push him up the ground a bit more and just use the little fellas down back because I reckon that'll expose along a lot more than... Yeah, it's very interesting there because everyone's talking about the duel between Blitzarves and Franklin... Franklin essentially towed up rounds. Like that was that was the only way, only place in the park where they won was when yeah. Franklin Franklin kicked four, and made Rance look silly and got in, of, got in his head. But, you know, but he got so. but he got in his head though. Yeah, yeah. And that's and yeah. so to do that against the so-called best defender in the comp, and whether or not you agree with that or not, not even I as a Richmond fan really think that Rance is now the number one key defender. But I don't see a guy like Blitzarves doing it to Franklin. Like he's done it. He's done it, and he's been quite pivotal in Geelong's defence doing it this year. But Geelong haven't won many games against the the top four sides. Yeah, and yeah, he's not. He doesn't have. He doesn't have the class to go to Franklin. That's just the long and short of it, really. I think you know, Cam Sinclair is going to have a pretty good game against whoever they throw up at him in the ruck. Yeah, just like Jake Lloyd's had a pretty good year. Another midfielder I was talking about. You know, averaging twenty eight touches. So they don't need Hanbury and Parker and those sorts of blokes to to get the thirty touches a week. So they've got a bit more. A bit more depth. Mid- midfield depth. And that's, I don't think people will see that. Because if, if you went and looked at Sydney's team right now, you'd go, you, and you look at Geelong's team, you go, Geelong's got a better team. Mm. But there's a lot of blokes that people don't know about from Sydney and just un, a bit unheralded that get the job done every week. No fast, because they're a bit out of the way up there in Sydney. So, And it's the twofold effect here, because you have Sydney where you got their stars aren't putting out the massive numbers. Yeah. But they're winning more games than they're losing. Yeah. And then you've got the Geelongs of the world where you have the three amigos getting thirties on tap week in, and week four out. Four if you include Kelly. And four if you include Kelly. And then they don't win. Yeah. So what what do you want? Do you want your stars not to be superstars and you just everyone chips in, or you want your superstars to be stats hogs and not get the job done? It's a pretty simple answer for mine. All right. Get to the money point here. We're obviously tipping Sydney. One to thirty nine and under one sixty one. That's what I've got as well. And you combine those two and you'll get a nice, juicy kind of uh, in-game combo as well. But, uh, yeah, 1 to 39 is $2.15 and obviously the unders is $1.90. Back-to-back good games, or at least, like, important games 
or emotional games. So I don't think it's going to be very close. But Richmond are $1.22 favourites hosting Adelaide at the MCG on a Friday night. They are $4.35 outsiders. The line here is 30 in the grand final replay replay. Pretty much everything's going tickety-boo for the Tigers. But can the Crows back it up after an emotional game on the weekend? You mentioned to me as soon as the game was won that uh, even the coach, Don Pike, who is a stoic man at best, was given it his full Choco Williams impersonation. Yep. Is that a good or a bad sign? It's a bad sign because they obviously got up for it. They really And they should have lost, really. Uh, they haven't got a great record at the MCG. So one thing I noticed is that Richmond's only played Adelaide at the MCG three times in the last eight years. And they've all been pretty comfortable wins. You guys don't lose at the MCG. Adelaide's got a poor record at the MCG. And I just think you guys are going to absolutely belt them. They've been struggling to score a bit as well. Adelaide and you obviously got a really good uh, defence. And you can see, I think, about 70 points a game or something like that. So I just think this could be a a bit of a blowout. Now, you say that, but Tex Walker obviously came back into form last week. Can he back it up? And so I found some interesting tech stats here. He hasn't had played two back-to-back good games this year. In fact, really, out of all the games he's played this year, he's only played three really high-quality games. So round two versus Richmond, where he was kind of the second amigo behind Joe jo- jo- the Goose, yep. Josh Jenkins. He took rounds out of the game, yeah. Yep. Round five against Sydney was the bona fide match winner in that massive upset in Sydney. That was because he'd been copping at the media media for about five or six weeks, so he got himself up, yeah. Yep. And then last week against West Coast, pretty much Wayne carried it, took the game away from them. Yep. Can he come down, bury the casket and uh, and no. the hoodoo and back it up with two captain's performances? No. Because still even like, the, like Sloan still looked like he was carrying injury and a few other blokes who came back from injury weren't. 100%. And I just, yeah, I just can't see them. The only, the only thing is if Rich, Richmond got themselves obviously up for last week's game, you could tell the intensity of the last week's game and their, their, their fast start. So they obviously got up for last week's game. Are they going to be just as much as up for this one? That's probably where I'm going with it. And Adelaide obviously set themselves for Richmond in round, I think it was round and two. two. I reckon Richmond would have seen how much yapping that happened and would have probably been waiting for this opportunity. They've penciled this in. And last year... So if you read the book, Yellow and Black, the Conrad Marshall kind of guide to last year, every time they lost a game, Dimmer kind of circled it. And if they played them again, Dimmer would bring it up and be like, this is what happened last game. These are the things that we, not like, not only tactically we need to write, but these are the things that kind of like emotionally or club culture-wise, yeah. we need to make sure that we cross this off the list. So that when we get to the end of the year, we can go, we've beaten, there's nothing out there in football land that can beat us. We've, we've, yeah. we've defeated it all. And they would have gone, taken them out of that round two loss and been like, right, well, we get to face them at the G, our turf this time. Here's the things we need to rectify and let's make sure that they leave knowing that we won the grand final for a reason, we're on top of the ladder for a reason and they're not going to play finals for a reason. Yeah. So I think I'm always a bit uh, scared to to tip a, a massive win because, you know, the line here is 30. That's pretty large. Five you goals. You win by more than six, seven or eight goals, mate. That's You're going to flog them. That's very convincing. But the, the, the bet I had is you guys win the last quarter, which is negative eight and a half. Yep. And I thought the um, the line of 30 and a half would be pretty comfortably covered. Yep. So I, I really fear that this could be... I've said this probably two or three times this year and got it wrong completely, but I'm going to back it in again. I reckon this could be an absolute belting. Saturday kicks off with a game that seems to happen every year. Spoonapalooza. 
Brisbane are hosting Carlton. Brisbane are a dollar forty favourites. Carlton two dollar ninety seven outsiders. The line here is nineteen and a half points, which is pretty good for the Lions. They're obviously playing at the Gabba. Will both teams want to win or lose? No, Brisbane will be out there to win, and they will flog them. Wow. Carlton have been up for two weeks, young team, and again, you, you go through their year or year, they've been up for two or three games and dropped right off. Brisbane had a big win last week. They play attacking style of footy. They move the ball well. If they can, if they can improve their front half and and kicks and make sure they are smart with the footy going forward, which I think they will be, they will do some damage to Carlton. Because I just don't think Carlton a have the scoring power. They they only go through Charlie Kerno. We saw against Port, he was pretty much the, the lone hand. Steph Martin will be tapping it wherever he likes to Louis Taylor, Zorko, Beams, etc. Brisbane score, Carlton don't. Last few weeks, Carlton looked to close down games more, be more defensive. They only average like 63 points this year as well. You know, same thing as last year, they can't score. So Brisbane, who are scoring you know, 80 to 90 points a game, and obviously up there, you could look, go through their record up there, they've been scoring you know, most of the weeks over 100, 100, 100 yeah. or more. And I just think that Carlton won't be able to keep up, and Brisbane will win two in a row, and probably do it quite comfortably. All the stats about Carlton back you up there as well. So Carlton have lost the inside 50 count by 11 per game this season, pretty much ranked last. They lose their defensive one-on-one concerts as well. So they're trying to be dogged in defense and have like a very dour mindset. But when they get caught out one-on-one, and we've already mentioned Brisbane have some really nice forwards who can play one yeah, out. Yeah, Hipwood's really good. Uh, they get undone there. They're losing 34% of the time, so that's ranked 16th in the comp. And also on the other way, they, can't, they don't hurt you. So even Brisbane are prone to turn the ball over. They play ultra-aggressive. And they just go, Let's, we, we can, you have a license to make mistakes if you're a Brisbane player. But on the flip side of that, Carlton only averaged 13 metres per disposal. So even if they do get the intercept, they look to go sideways. They look to handball. They look to kind of carry it slowly. That's not going to really affect you if you're Brisbane. And they've only averaged Carlton 10 points per game from forward half clearances. So even if they do manage to turn over in an attacking position, yeah. they don't turn into goals anyway. So this is pretty much like a free hit for Brisbane. You go out there, play as attacking, as aggressive, play on as much as you want because you know that if you do cough it up, there's very little pressure going to be applied on the scoreboard by the, by the Blue Baggers. Yeah, so I, do you back them in to cover the 20 or do you, do you just stay away from that from a betting perspective? No, I've gone 20 and I've gone 40 plus, which for 40 plus will probably be a roughie for the week. So it's two thrashings I've predicted that will probably come back and bite them in the ass. The Twilight game on a Saturday is Port Adelaide hosting St Kilda at home. And St Kilda, despite knocking off the absolute pretenders who are the demons, are $6 outsiders to Port Adelaide. The line here is a whopping 39.5. Do we think that St Kilda's form against Melbourne was just a one-off game? The say, like Carlton versus Giants last year, just the, the crappy team gets up for one because they just, just have to, statistically speaking? Or was it actually that this style of footy that... Alan Richardson's been trying to instill in these players is finally clicking and they've actually got something down there at, at Moorabbin and they can they can actually play a little bit of footy. I think some of their better players are standing up and the effort, which we've talked about most of the year for them, has arrived. And look, you know, they're tackling pressure, they're pressure, their ball movement's a lot better. They also tried a few different things. So Gresham coming off the back of the square and a few other little things that went their way. Um, obviously, Battle's injured now, so probably Josh Bruce comes in, which is probably an upgrade, really. Um, nothing against battle. He's still, you know, played less than ten games. Still mm. learning a lot about the game. As Bruce, you know, is a proven goal scorer. Yeah, you know, I just think that yeah, their, their better players have finally stood up to probably the level they should be at or close to. 
a few of their lesser players are obviously playing some decent footy. They obviously played against the Melbourne who were who have been worked out and they played them pretty well. They played that style pretty well. And they're probably in the end probably lucky to beat Melbourne after a few interesting decisions. And obviously they were very lucky against Gold Coast. But I still think the Port definitely beat them here. Are you not concerned about Port's recent form though in the sense that Port when they played Carlton last week they seem like a very chameleon side to me. They'll they'll just they'll just revert to the level of the opposition. So when they played against Richmond, they absolutely smashed Richmond, and they saw that they saw that challenge and they went, no, no, let's actually let's dominate this game. Last week they were slow to start, it took them about three quarters to get past Carlton, and that's a Carlton that doesn't really have much chop. Port's last quarter showed what they were capable of. Yep. And what and what they need to do. And that, look, we've spoken about it all years again. They play a quarter. They play 15, 20 minutes, and, and it's enough against most teams to beat them. And I don't think, you know, I, you know very well my opinion on Port. I don't think they're very good. Like, when you look at the top teams, yeah. the top... But against these teams... They're good they, enough to yeah. beat St Kilda. I don't reckon they'll cover the line. The line's like 40 points. I don't reckon they cover that. I'd probably take St Kilda at the line, around the 39, I think it's 39, 38 points. Take St Kilda at the line. I mean, it could be like last year even where, you know, it was a pretty average sort of game, and then... Robbie Gray stole it at the end there in the last 10 or so seconds. Absolutely, yeah. I do agree with you there. Uh, and the safer option there, I was thinking about taking Port 1-39. to There is a small, small chance that St Kilda do steal it because yeah. they are playing good footy now. So taking uh, St Kilda to the cover gives you both sides of that coin. One of those games where just St Kilda stay in it long enough but it won't blow out the more than five or six goals just for the fact that Port won't want to put them away. The Saturday nights go back to their midweek woe fests, the first of which is the Bulldogs versus Hawthorne at Etihad. Bulldogs are home dogs. $2.78 outsiders. Hawthorne, the $1.45 favourites. A line here, 15 points. Hawthorne are outside now. They're in the gridlock of four teams on eight wins. But the Doggies found some form against the Cats. Is there anything here suggesting that the Doggies can cause another upset? They keep that intensity and effort and that speed. They'll definitely worry Hawthorne because Hawthorne don't have a lot of speed. And they rely on one midfielder. Yep. So this is an interesting point. If you were Bevo, do you tag or not tag Mitchell? Interestingly enough, there's been seven games where Mitchell's had 40 or more touches. They've won four and lost three. And in the other games where he hasn't had 40, they've won four and lost three. So I really think it makes... No, it no, makes difference no difference. How yeah. many touches he gets? No, because he's not going to like you know a lot of them are handballs, so he's going to get it outside to the runners. Just stop Smith and a couple of the runners like Impy. They won't get near it. They won't get a sniff. And you know, I, I'm tempted to tip Western Bulls this week just for that fact. Where if they if they're up with that tackling pressure and they're like you know Hawthorne's defense is is aging and very wishy washy at the moment, and they probably don't have a lot of. You know, who does Frawley go to? He probably goes to Shaki and then, yeah, it's pretty, you know, Stratton's probably their other main defender and who does he get? Whether he goes to a Boyd or something when he's resting down there. But, you know, who's going to pick up Gowers and do a job on him? You know, even t- Wallace has been pretty good. Like, he's averaging 20 touches and a goal a game almost, I think, since he's been back. So, you know, they've got players down there playing a role and doing pretty well. And, yeah, I just, I just wonder, I'm starting to wonder where Hawthorne's Goals and the start coming from. Like they threw Sisley forward last week to try and you know kick, steal a few, kick, yeah. kick the goals. Um, so yeah, and if Western Bros can move the footy and play the sort of footy they have the last two weeks, they'll do more than worry Hawthorne. They'll probably beat them. So and beat them 
by a few goals. So, Are we concerned about their styles, though? So Western Bulldogs are the highest long-kicking percentage team in the comp. So that's, that's more likely to be turned over on the intercept. Hawthorne, they handball, Hawthorne, they Hawthorne are also better at that intercept marking and running off the half-back. Yeah, but so. they handball a lot. And then they, they handball a lot, move it, and then kick it long and deep. So then they then they try and frontal pressure and keep it in there. A bit like, you know, not not the As Richmond, good as Richmond, Richmond but yeah. not the Richmond sort of style because Richmond do kick the footy a lot more. But, you know, I think Collingwood, Doggies and Essen, I think some of the other teams are quite high handballing teams. They run the footy, then kick long to one-on-ones or two-on-twos. Two on they try and keep a deeper forward line. You know, for instance, last week against Geelong, it was six-on-six in Geelong, in you know, in in the front half for doggies and and Geelong, that's why it was so high scoring. This, the doggies back their midfield to win the footy, handball through congestion, get it to an outside runner, who then long kicks it into a one on one or a, an even numbered contest, and they try and win the footy from there. And that blueprint will work against Hawthorne as well, because despite Mitchell's absolute leather poisoning, they've been smashing the clearances all year. Yeah, and you see that like yeah, they lack pace. Well, they lack like, they lack a genuine ball winner who can attack you. They don't have a Trelaw. They don't have a Martin. They don't have a player like that. Yeah, doggies probably have the advantage there, and I'm probably talking myself into a doggies tip. I'm, t- I'm I was talking myself into doggies tip. The only thing I'd probably touch though from opponents, definite unders because both teams won't score. It won't be a hundred hundred again. I can guarantee no. it'll be probably seventy eighty a piece, and yeah, I'll be under one seventy three. That's that's massive. The second half of the average Saturday night viewing is Melbourne hosting Fremantle up at the TIO Stadium in Darwin. Melbourne are a dollar fourteen favourites. The line here is a whopping thirty-eight and a half. Melbourne's season is unraveling, but can they do what they do very well and back up on bad teams? Yeah, they'll flat track bully the crap out of Fremantle up there. They will absolutely flat track bully them. So when you say up there, that's an interesting point. Because is this a bad sold game for Melbourne? They've played up there eight times. They've only won three, and they only play average teams up there. Because obviously they're selling for like to. They're not losing out on a low crowd at Melbourne. Yes, yeah, so I think the first few times they've so they played, played Gold Coast, they've played Port, port. a couple of times. Yeah, they've they've lost played few, Frio. They lost, they lost to Port regularly, I think, and then they changed the teams to ordinary teams so they can look better. Um, yeah, they're going to flog. Especially no Sandilands and no Fife. So Gorn's going to have an absolute field day. The midfield that's been under the pump the last few weeks will have a, you know, just have absolute freedom because, you know, as, as good as Lockie Neal is and, you know, as good as what Sarah and all those boys have been for, for Freeway this year, they got, you know, Mundy will be, will be brave again. They got, and Walters, they got, they got no chance of matching it with that Melbourne midfielder who are going to be, ready to go like don't, Melbourne will be up for this they'll f- absolutely flog them you'd probably put plus 60 on this uh, Ferro been really struggling to score of late so I'll, I've actually gone Ferro to score 60 points or less which is paying 2 bucks and uh, I think you can get oh, around 3 three or so 350 for Melbourne to win 60 plus I reckon there could be a few floggings this weekend. There you go. We're about due for a few floggings as well. I don't trust Melbourne at all to do either. They are terrible on the defensive side, and they're not going to fix it. I don't know why, but they just seem to ignore that complete side of the game. So, Freya, we're going to jag more than 60. This will be the week to do it. And that record up at TIO, just their mental fragility, I think they can feel their season slipping away, Melbourne. And I, I wouldn't put a loss past them up in this one. 
if, it's a soft if, tip for Melbourne. If they lost this... We said this last week with St Kilda. If they lost it, how good would it be if St Kilda beat them and St Kilda beat them? Yeah, we gave How them, good would it be if Freya beat them? Well, Freya could beat them. We gave them, We gave reasons as to why, you know, that St Kilda could win going from what we're talking about, or what happened in the last game they played against mm. each other. But I can't think of any reason why Fremantle can come out and win. Because Melbourne is shook, is the reason. I'm still tipping Melbourne, but I'm not trusting them. Oh, Melbourne, three dollars thirty, sixty plus. That's what. Yeah. So I reckon. Seriously, this would be like Adelaide, Melbourne style, like, like last time they played, like early in the year when they played up there. Yeah. It, it'll Melbourne be can't, and everyone will talk up Melbourne as soon as they flogged the three hours. Well, you watch the media go. They've turned their form around. They're back. And I get flogged the week after. Sunday's slate kicks off at one ten with the North Melbourne massive favourites against the Suns. This is probably gonna be smashing number three. It's a dollar ten favouritism here, the line here at forty eight and a half. North we've got North completely wrong this year. We wanted to ship them off to Tassie. We said they were no good, we said they were too old, too slow, they wouldn't win more than seven games. They've done that well and truly already. Oh, they've had a good year. They still won't make finals, but they've had a good year. They've had a very a lot, good year. A lot better than we thought. Do they have the firepower to absolutely put the Suns to the sword, considering I think that no one wants to play for the Suns at the moment? Yeah. Tommy Lynch is out with a PCL injury, in inverted commas. That's my conspiracy hot take. The Suns are done, aren't they? Yeah. Suns, again, 60 points or less, $2.10. Bank that because they won't kick a score. Uh, North Melbourne, one of the better defensive sides in the comp. They'll be smarting after their last two weeks, especially giving up so many points against Essendon. They'll win this pretty comfortably. They'll set themselves up for the next six or seven weeks of probably a tough run home. And the stats back it up. Kangaroos are actually a sneaky, high-scoring team. So they're averaging 87 points this year. And as you said, Gold Coast are averaging 61. And that's you know including some of their better games that actually kick scores when Tom Lynch could actually be able to play for the Suns. So you can't fix Gold Coast this year. They are ranked last or second last in Everything, basically, from contested possessions, disposal efficiency, contested marks, marks inside 50, centre clearances inside 50s, and goal-kicking accuracy. So if by some strange occasion the Suns actually got the ball into their forward 50, they wouldn't kick a goal anyway. Don't watch this one because an absolute blockbuster is up next and we're going to roll straight to it Sunday. 3.20, the two form sides. This is the Baz Hate Glasses Cup. Essendon are home, but they are home dogs. Two dollar thirty outsiders to the ravenous informed pies, who are a dollar sixty-two favourites. The line here is eight and a half. This is an eight shaper. It's not quite an eight-point game because Essendon are still a bit behind the eight ball due to their absolutely shocking start of the year. It'll drop us back to the pack when they beat us, though. But you are quite concerned. You've been quite concerned even since you saw the Essendon scoreline against the Roos last week. Yeah. You are convinced that Essendon win this, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, we've been good. Don't get me wrong. We've, I think we've had got the longest win streaks of any other team since round nine. couple of injuries. So obviously Chalor's out. Big loss. Dunn is massive. We've still got a few blokes. You know, Reed's still not fit. Varco played last week. More um, and Elliot to come back, hopefully. But I... I watched our last 45 minutes or second half against Gold Coast and it was a bit concerning, you know, you, all of a sudden a bit selfish sort of play came in. You know, Buckley spoke about it as well where players didn't run off, come off the interchange. They stayed out in the field for much longer than they were meant to, which meant players are tired. Apparently there wasn't an interchange for nearly 12 to 14 minutes or something and, yeah, and Buckley wasn't too impressed. So it starts, it starts to 
you know, ring bells in my head that maybe we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves with doing a bit of Melbourne. And Essendon's speed off the half-back line could really worry us. So, you know, it's going to be up to Stefferson, Dugowie, you know, Thomas, those sorts of boys, Will Hoskin Elliott and that, who, you know, they don't have to be pretty tight on and put that defensive pressure on to not allow McGrath, McKenna and, and Saad to run away from it. Our midfield's going to be tested because, you know, um, Merritt and, and Heppel have been really good. And then it's our back line that, that's probably my biggest concern. You know, we've got Howe, we'll probably go to McKernan, who, you know, he's played well and he's been talked about all week, so he's probably in for a stinker. But it's our small players, so, like, you know, Finn Appleby was pretty ordinary on the weekend. Who does he go to? You know, you've got Orazio, um, you've got Tip and Woody, Bagley's playing probably, you know, career best footy down for at the moment. And, uh, Who's old mate from Jackie Stringer? So they got a bit of a four, and I think we can. I don't know if we had the right matchups for. Yeah, I'm just a bit concerned about how they're travelling to how we're probably travelling and a few injuries and. They're coming into a rich vein of form, and you guys have had a long, yeah. high form, and you're probably due to that for that three or four so, week yeah. period where you're not quite as good. And we've got we've got a big month, can't we? We've got West Coast, Richmond, uh, Sydney, uh, Port, and North Melbourne over the next five weeks as well. So. We can't. Like we, I, I said this to you last week, and we, we could seriously miss the A. We could probably, I, I could see us winning probably two or three more games, like, like ticks, definites. But then the and which fourteen wins probably gets you into the finals. But I can see us winning, like losing six of those, like six or seven of those as well. So this is one of those games. And estimate two dollars thirty, I thought were yeah, good too value. good to not turn down. Interesting stats, as you mentioned, the defense will be concerned, especially. The Bombers retain possession for pretty much 50% of their kicks inside 50. Puts them in the top three for the comp. And if you're concerned about the matchups, if they're getting it in there and keeping it in there, they're going to score because those small guys especially are, are just bloody goal sinks. Yeah. And they will score readily. Uh, the second one is the more interesting one for mine. Games versus top eight sides this year. The Conway played four for one win. Essendon's played seven for four wins. Yeah. And they lift for these occasions. They, they are... Positive chameleons in the sense that they'll match it once the tempo comes up. So we saw it against West Coast, especially, and that's kind of the start of this, this current wave of form. Yeah, Geelong. On the back of that. Did Geelong, yeah. Um, so they'll lift for this, and I think they'll want to they'll want to try and get one back on your Feb. Yeah, Anzac, so Anzac Day was pretty embarrassing for them. It's, it was probably just before the peak of their... Their well, crapness. They lost, yeah, they lost to Carlton as well, so it probably topped it off. But yeah, it's, it's a big danger game for us, and I don't think we... I don't think... I've been saying a lot. I don't reckon we're that good a team just yet. I reckon we've still got some improvement to do. And I would agree with you on that one as well. If you look at the the kind of uh, team ratings that we do, stats-wise, I reckon you've stolen a few games this year. So I think in terms of expected wins, you should have been ranked sixth, and you're currently sitting second on the ladder. Yeah. So I think you're going to regress a little bit to the mean once you start playing. Once you start get the full roster of games in for your fixture and you start playing the harder team yeah. at the back end, I think you'll come back to that kind of 6th to 8th position where you probably sit about in the corner. And I reckon next year we'll start to really to take, take off. off yeah. Only other angle I had for this one was the over-unders. It's currently 151.5. It's drifted out from 148. Surely we go over in this as well. Probably will go over, but it's meant to be... I think it's meant to be rain a fair bit Sunday. Okay. So I'd be checking the weather because I know there's a bit of rain coming. Definitely, if it's going to be a nice day, I reckon we'll go over 150. But, uh, yeah, I just reckon 2 hours 30 for Essendon is pretty good value. And we roll into our last game of the week, another absolute eight-shaper and a humdinger. West Coast go back home finally with their tail between their legs. They're hosting the Giants. The line here, 8.5, West Coast for $1.62 favourites. 
a week is a long time in footy, as they say, the cliche goes. And uh, one team will be ruining that fact. One team will be hoping in the week went a lot quicker. Are West Coast cooked? They're not cooked. They just need their forwards back. Their midfield... The midfield's doing all right. Their backs are doing all right. They're, they're no return on investment. No. They're, they're going... In, so you look at all their inside 50 stats the last probably three to four weeks. They're either winning the inside 50s or, or it's pretty tight and they just can't score from going inside 50. So. And it's the drop-offs being massive. So when they had their three big amigos in there, they're averaging 100 points in that 10-1 run before the bye. Since the bye, they've averaged 62 points with no real change with any other stats. Yeah, yeah. So as you said, they've maintained their midfield performance, they've maintained their defensive intent, they just get it up there and they go, oh no, we've got no one who can kick goals. And I think JWS, I think it's finally clicked for them. Finally the general, clicked. the general Johnny Patton with his one goals four for the weekend. What a hero. No, I think uh, well, Roy Lobb went forward, which how long have I been saying that for? Play Dawson Simpson and just let Lobb play his natural position. He kicked a couple of goals early. Their midfield is actually starting to win the contested footy and, and do the hard work. They're kicking the ball a lot more now, so they're, they're tsunami where they handball and run it. Uh, they, they've changed their style a little bit. A lot more blue collar, which is what we've been screaming for for the last two years of doing this this podcast. And they've you know they've got some pretty good depth as they should. And you know you add Toby Green and Scully and a few others back to that list, and Kelly's playing some great footy. And all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, they look pretty pretty dangerous, and I think they get one back here for early in the year where West Coast and them for a half was pretty tight, but then West Coast blew them out with their big forwards. But over there, I reckon uh, JWS win this just just purely for their midfield's a lot better. Their four lines got a, a, you know a few different looks to it than what West Coast. I don't see West Coast kicking a big score just because I don't know who's going to kick their goals. I think. Uh, versus backline is pretty good on, on, on the weekend it's pretty handy so absolutely and again the stats back you up there so they've been the dominant midfield team in the comp GWS they're plus 40 in clearances over the last three weeks uh, whereas West Coast have slipped to ninth on that yeah West Coast are the worst tackling efficiency team in the comp and so GWS the reason they're so good in midfield as well is they're, they're running guns players so they'll actually just carry it out if you can't lay a tackle, then you've just given up 20 metres, yeah, essentially. Well, Shield's a pretty d- dynamic player mm. from, a, from a stoppage. And so is Callum Ward. And, and you know, Griffin's playing a bit more forward, but he's, he's pretty much the same. If he gets a bit of space out of stoppage, they'll just burst away. Yeah, absolutely. So there's your damage there. And then in terms of their forward line, they're the most efficient. So 47% of inside 50s turned to goals for them. And in the last four weeks, they've scored 43 points from forward half intercepts. Yeah. They've just all clicked finally. Yeah. And without... Without uh, Mr. Cameron, so the flying elbow has no effect on them. They're actually probably playing better without him. So. I said it last week; they'll play better without without Cameron. Yeah, and it was pretty, they played some really good football against Hawthorne. They probably didn't win as comfortably as they would have liked in the end because you know, Hawthorne came back and, and all that. But they actually played some good football. They played a couple of weeks now of some really good football and proper football, not their their Ferrari sort of stuff. They're more you know uh, V six Holden Commodore sort of stuff, which is good. And so, long story short, we're obviously taking GOS to win as the outsiders here at 2.35. Yeah, 2.35, yep. yep. Just, I'm tipping GOS. And that would be a good way to round out the weekend. <laughs> but again, the cash, cash, money-making time. It's our round 16 feature bets, which are due. 
We don't have too many down weeks. We are the Hawthorne of old. Bounce back ability is high when it comes to our feature picks, and we start off with our best bets. Mine is Richmond to win the fourth quarter by eight and a half, which gives you a cool, calm, and collected dollar eighty nine. Baz, what's your best bet? Sydney one thirty nine, two dollars twenty. Cash, cash money, and that's a that's a big value best bet as well. Yeah, good way to kick off the weekend. Uh, my value is. GWS to win the last game of the round against the Eagles away as outsiders. That's paying two dollars thirty-five. I've got uh, this pay is actually less than my best bet, but uh, Freo to score sixty or less, which is two bucks. There you go. And my roughie comes on the Anzac Day revenge game. I've got Essendon to win head to head and over the one fifty-one and a half. Weather dependent, of course. That's paying four dollars seventy-five. And I've just gone to Melbourne by 60 plus, which is $3.30. The multi is Greater Western Sydney to win. Unders total match points in the Western Bulldogs Hawthorne game, 173.5. Richmond to win the last quarter, negative 8.5 against Adelaide. And Sydney Geelong under 160.5, which gives you $16.03. And if there's anything more due than our multi for this season. If we don't get one, we'll get one. I'm going to absolutely. I don't know what I'll do, but I'll, I'm not, I'll think of something because it's just. There's a long list of things they're doing. You're already dressing up in a Puyallup uniform for their for their finals game. No, preliminary. If they make the preliminary, I will. But I'll get knocked out in straight sets or first final because they probably won't make top four. But yeah, whatever. Long list of things that Baz likes to do because he's a wagering man. That's what this is. This is one of the odds. As we said at the start of the episode, it's been brought to you by a Sporting Chance event that is Footy's Eft, and we want you to fix it. Sunday, 29th of July, down at the Yorkshire Hotel. In the meantime, get the ideas in. Check out some of our feature articles on Sporting Chance magazine and head down to the Yorkshire Hotel. Hang out by the fireplace and watch the rain. Fall down. That's right.